Welcome, Tales of Glory listeners. I'd like to welcome you to the big episode 58 of Tales of Glory. We're going to be doing some M16 Night Strike Street and Outreach Ministry Train today. It's our Outreach Ministry Train Boot Camp. And we're going to be going to Module 1, which is Prophetic Ministry. Very cool stuff we're handling here today. It's going to be good stuff. And I'm starting grassroots, assuming you don't know what prophetic ministry is. So don't worry if this is something you guys want to start doing homeless ministry, going out in the streets and just doing ministry to people or going to outreaches like local festivals. Like out here, we have wine festivals, asparagus festivals, zucchini festivals, avocado festivals, garlic festivals. And I'm going to give you a little um, heads up on how to train for that and go into those 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 environments kind of undercover and just do what we call prophetic evangelism i like to step back a second so what's prophetic evangelism like and we'll, we'll get to that but let me break it down to a more quantum component of it which is process evangelism process evangelism is where we go out in the streets and we assume the fields have not been tilled yet you know, most Christians go out and they go to Starbucks and they just drop the bomb of, hey, you want to, you know Jesus? You want to do the Jesus prayer? And a lot of times when you drop a seed there, it's not going to grow because the, the, <laughs> the fields have not been plowed or tilled or prepared. And this is a little something called process evangelism, where we go in and do very low-key, low-scale evangelism, and we call start tilling the soil. We know, chances are, we're not going to be the one who's going to lead this person through, you know, their salvation or, you know, and we don't have to. That's kind of a prideful way of doing evangelism. What we're doing is we're just making the initial turn, right? The small turns of the rudder. Like we don't have to mention Jesus yet, but we can give them an encounter with the Father that opens their eyes up. Gosh, Mike, that's not biblical. That sounds seeker friendly. No, it's biblical. In fact, we're going to go through where they do it. Jesus actually did it this way too, where we don't have to be the ones. Well, Jesus did lead them to Christ because he was the Christ, right? If you're the guy, <laughs> you are God, you can lead people to Jesus. And that's what he did. But in our turns, we don't know what the people have been through in life, what sort of trauma they had, or maybe they just don't like the church. A lot of times when I worked with people in process evangelism, they had no problem with Jesus. They just didn't like the church or they had something happen to them there and they left it. Or the church just wasn't spirit-filled and they got nothing out of it. It was just a very dry church, you know. Um, so that's process evangelism, where we go out to the streets and we give the person a Jesus encounter or an encounter with the Father. We let Jesus or the Father talk through this encounter. And it's just impactful to them. And it kind of opens their eyes up like, you know, how did somebody off the streets either know this or, you know, or how do you share dispersive stuff? And that's called process evangelism. And part of process evangelism is the next piece is prophetic evangelism because we're listening to God to see who to have the encounter with. And I know this a lot of stuff's not taught in church, and we're going to unpack this and where it's at in the Bible, because yes, it is biblical. Those of you going, oh my gosh, Mike, what do you get me into? This is stuff I had to learn early on with Night Strike. If you listen to Tales of Glory, I've shared with you before how Bob Johnson would just take me on the streets on the first couple of nights, you know? And say, hey, this young man pointing to me. I'm not a young man then, but, you know, that's the way he talked. Hey, this young man right here has a word for you. I'm going, a word? You know, what? You know, <laughs> what does that even mean? You know, it was, it was crazy. And I think about something, get nothing, like, what the heck is going on here? And then I just pause and somebody else would jump in and drop, you know, 
do a prophetic word because I didn't know how to do this or what it was. So mine was more of a trial by fire. Like, what the heck is this? How do you do this? And, you know, I have no clue what they're talking about because my church wasn't a Holy Spirit-empowered church. It could have been a Holy Spirit-filled church, but it wasn't a Holy Spirit-empowered church that I went to. And I learned a lot of this stuff on my own. And eventually, this is a training I actually brought back to my church with this. And how did I get them out in the night strike? Because they thought going out to minister to the homeless was like going to a soup kitchen and getting their ladle and dumping gravy on potatoes. That, that's fine and all for most churches, but to me, I have to be out with the people, talking to them face-to-face and encountering with them and giving an encounter for Jesus. And that's totally different from dumping gravy on their, their, you know, their potatoes on Thanksgiving you guys went to the soup kitchen stuff. That's great and all. But we have a massive homeless problem everywhere that's being institutionally flamed and motivated both by churches not knowing how to handle this and being part of the problem and politics. So let's jump into here. So you want to start either homeless ministry or a street ministry going out to the streets. How do you do this? What do you do? And what do you need to be aware of? Well, I'm glad you asked. Let's go look at this. So here is our outline. Um, we're teaching module one today, which is prophetic outreach ministry. Module two is hearing God. And I'm going to assume this is ground zero for you guys. You've never done this before. Okay, so don't worry. This is kind of a boot camp to get you guys launched. What's the term they always use out there? Not transference. Um, impartation. Give me an impartation. Well, a lot of times the best impartation is getting out there and doing it and learning through the Holy Spirit. That's the best impartation you can get. Um, a lot of times people ask me, you know, pray for us. Give me an impartation. I'm like, well, you've been out in the streets? No. I actually had it too. People call me, teach me deliverance ministry. Well, come out to me in the homeless streets and then we'll, I'll teach you deliverance ministry. Oh, I don't want to go there. Do you have a place inside you meet in an office and stuff? Blah, blah, blah. Well, yeah, you're obviously not serious about this, are you? <laughs> you know, if you're going to pick the location, tell the Holy Spirit how to teach you. Eh, that's not going to fly. So anyway, um, we have module three, which is outreach ministry etiquette. Very important. Module four, healing on the streets. I never knew we could pray for healing on this anywhere. Um, it wasn't taught in my church. It was like, oh, brother, such and such is in the hospital. Let's just pray that he gets well and has the right doctors. I didn't know you could pray them out of the hospital, okay? I didn't know this, and I didn't know you can go on the streets and lay hands on somebody and they'd heal. And that was in the book of Acts, but that, you know, according to most churches, that only happened back then. Oh, no, no, no. It still happens. And I have a lot of crazy stories that, you know, blew my mind too, because that's how I learned about it. And finally, module five, keeping an open heaven. I actually started with that one just for a test runner, uh, episode 57 was actually keeping an open heaven, and that was, um, I went through this module already. But if it makes sense, I'll do it again for continuity or something. You guys can let me know, and please give me feedback and questions on how to do this, because I, I train lots of people, lots of churches, lots of people how to get out in the streets and do this sort of stuff. I have questions, please, please ask. So here we are, module one, prophetic outreach ministry. And again, I'm talking about process evangelism. I'm going to go through that. It's you're encountering a person who is either hurt in the church, doesn't want to talk to Jesus, will be outraged if you mention Jesus, but you're still going to go in there and till the soil and just give them a little, little taste, little taste of it, right? And see what happens. They'll either spit it out or go, oh my gosh, what was that? So it, it's fine either way. So prophetic outreach ministry is leaving the four walls of the church and reaching those who need an encounter from the Heavenly Father through the gifts of the Holy Spirit. 
So we're talking about Corinthians, right? What Paul said in the epistles of Corinthians, word of knowledge, the prophetic healing. So I'm going to quote my own mentor here. He wrote a book called Love Stains. Again, it's a weird title, but you know, it's his, his sarcastic sense of humor about being on the streets. So here's his quote. The prophetic is stupefying key that God uses to open people's hearts so they'd respond to Jesus. I love it because while not everything may need healing, everyone does need a word directly from God. Everyone, from the highest-ranking general, little boy picking through garbage in Mexican dump, wants to know that God knows their name. That's from Bob Johnson and his book, Love Stains, page 108. Interesting stuff. Yeah, I had a few mentors along the way here um, to get to the point where I was. One was Bob Johnson, who taught me a lot about prophetic and hearing God. Another was Cindy McGill, who taught me a lot about dream interpretation, visions, hearing God, and how to do these outreaches. And uh, quite a few other people, too. There was a lot of mentors God sent my way. I was just blessed to have these incredible people. So, part A, encounters are about reaching people's hearts, period. That's it. We go, we're looking for an encounter. You can go to a local movie theater outside and do encounters. You can go to Starbucks and do encounters. It's about reaching their heart. You're not there yet to sell Jesus. Jesus is quite capable of selling himself. If we get them to a certain point. So again, we're plowing the fields. We're not planting the seed. The opportunity may arise to plant the seed, but that's not our goal at the moment, right? Our moment is just to go through and be the, the, the field workers, to plow the fields and get them ready to receive a seed. So Acts 26, verses 17 through 18. Verse 17, delivering you from your people and from the Gentiles to whom I am sending you, to open their eyes so they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. To open their eyes, to turn from the darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God. This is an encounter. The book of Acts described an encounter with the Gentiles to open their eyes. So number one, the Heavenly Father wants us to come to him, persecutors of his people, Satanists, politicians, average Joes, soccer moms, adult industry workers, and even Christians. So don't be surprised your encounter involves a Christian. When I went to the New Age festivals and we had our, um, our team there, a lot of times the people I was working with, majority of them were ex-Catholics. They already knew Jesus. They left the church. Some were Christians, but a lot of them were ex-Catholics. So, like I said, they know Jesus, but they don't like the church. So, so we have to be careful in these environments. Um, I've ministered in strip clubs and in um, porn industry um, conferences. I went with Cindy McGill, and I also went with another woman who was, um, like I mentioned last time, who was a, a, a big former stripper at um, Crazy Horse in Las Vegas. She became a minister to the School of Supernatural Ministry and went to the strip clubs in San Francisco. And these places are heavily demonized. Um, I don't want to promote stuff, but I know even the, the Ghost Adventures, Zach and uh, Aaron and the crew, they went to some of these strip clubs in San Francisco to hunt demons. And it's, it's on, you know, that's the places we were working out of. So we were in demonic environments. And one I mentioned last time was the principality seat, the Mitchell brothers. But we operated in there and heard God and ministered to these people. And it was incredible. Number two, the more shunned the individual is by the church, the more grieved the Heavenly Father is. So if they've been hurt by the church, you know, Heavenly Father's like, you know, let's get these guys back. It, it, let's, let's show them who I am and bring them back into me. They've been hurt. So that's why we can't speak churchies or, hey, do you know Jesus? They're going to turn around and walk the other way. 
one of the funniest things we had, we were actually in Las Vegas. I was with uh, Cindy McGill, and we were at the um, a porn industry um, event. I said, don't go into these. I was brought in as a spiritual warfare anchorman, and we had armies of intercessors protecting us. But one of the funny things we found out was we were talking to one of the um, adult industry people, and we were talking, interpreting dreams. She told me we were Christians, and she was receiving it. She had a wall went up real fast. You guys aren't those people from Reading who run up to people's children and just pray over them without asking the parents, are you? We're laughing. Oh, my God, right? So you see the difference? A, a church that's known for thinking it's going out and doing evangelism actually has <laughs> a, st- a stigmatized image of them because, yeah, they were the people that ran up to people's children in malls in Reading and started praying over the kids without asking the parents. And it, it, we were at this event like, oh, my gosh, we have to uh, distance ourselves from Bethel now too, right? And so it's just – and there are Bethel people with us, but it's, it's how this thing works. We, it's a covert ministry, and we do it on purpose. It's not you know pulling the wool over people's eyes. It's just so we can get in there past their walls and give them an encounter and let, let them process from themselves whether they want it or not. Right? So we're not doing Scientology here. Hey, come up, hook up to the machines. No, we'll, we'll go to them. We go to them and we are very polite and courteous to them. And if they reject it, we always back off and politely leave. They don't have a, um, any ill will toward us from the encounter. A lot, a lot of times it's very powerful and they want us to come back and they connect with us. So some light bulb going on here. We're not the people on the streets yelling with a bullhorn in people's faces. <laughs> in fact, my hometown I used to live in, I used to do street ministry out there, very quiet and covert, but all street ministry got shut down because these guys that came in with the bullhorns went in from our city and they started shouting in everybody's faces that they were sinners and they're going to hell. Right. And this is a quiet, you know, low key cow town country <laughs> town and, you know, it was a noise ordinance issue and stuff. And they came coming back every Saturday. And I asked one of the guys, I go, do you guys ever save anybody from this for ministry? And the guy got in my face with a bullhorn, like, you know, I was a sinner. It's like, dude, really? Is that where we're going with this? So yelling in people's faces and telling them they're sinning and going to hell and telling them about their own sins doesn't work. It doesn't work in this day and age. This is a way we're looking at how to approach the lost. You know, you can do however you want. That's how your church does it. And they're doctrinized and they think it works fine. But if you're going into the homeless, you're going into very dark venues where Christianity is, has a violent response to it. Let me tell you, I've been to those places. Then this is what we need to be doing. So part three, the father, you reach into darkness for one of God's kids, the more radical encounter, he wants to reach his kids and love them. Be aware, darker venues require planning, prayer, intercession and dialogue between the team members and God simply jumping into one will make you vulnerable to getting spiritual or even physically beaten be in alignment with the movement of God that's what I talked about earlier I used to go into the, the Castro right and we, we had to um, test the spirits there too before we went in the Castro is a um, predominantly um, gay area of San Francisco it's our, it's our community and they don't like Christians at all in fact it could be a violent response they figure out you're Christian they don't like you there so we had to go and see why we're going in covert. Number one, protect ourselves. And number two, quietly minister and just, you know, plow the fields. God wants to reach these people too. They're, we don't need to go in the bullhorn. They already know living in sin. That's why they're rejecting Christianity. So what we want to do is give them an encounter that kind of like side rails what's going on. It speaks directly to their heart. And the Father in Heaven knows exactly how to do this. It's called prophetic evangelism. So B, 
where to hold an outreach. Go wherever God puts in your heart to go, Starbucks or New Age Fair. Starbucks is easy or out here we used to go to a, for, um, summer nights, go out to a local theater and do either dream interpretation or just, um, you know, do cold prophetic evangelism to people and just, you know, meet with them and talk. You can do stuff like that. But if you're going to a new age fair, that's a that's thing that requires planning, intercession, talking with God and dealing with spiritual warfare. So there's two extremes. Um, homeless ministry is right in the middle. You know, you can start that off on your own with your church, probably with five people. I wouldn't go alone. Have at least three people. And start, you know, walking the streets, at least, you know, one man who's burly, you know, so it gets the attention of other people, but has the heart of God and the heart of Jesus. And just start that way. But like I said, you need intercession on the streets, too, because that's why the people out there, it's demonics just running rampant out there in the homeless. We want to cut through that. And there's a lot of very spiritual Christian homeless people out there, too, that you want to partner with and help them and get them what they need. You know, they're, they're, they're in the trenches right there, the, the homeless ministries. Most of them are homeless. Don't judge them because they're homeless. They're not Christian. I've had that happen by a lot of local pastors. It's funny. So one, God may put a location on your heart for a time and you are to pray about it. Don't go there right away. If he's telling you to go down to your local street, you know, in downtown, he did that to me too. When God was first teaching me how to hear him, I would hear from him to tell me to grab my Bible and go downtown and look for somebody to pray for. And the first couple of times I did it, and I went down, I grabbed my Bible, and I looked for people to pray for, but I didn't pray for anybody. And several times I came back defeated, feeling like, God, this isn't working. I grabbed my Bible, like you said, and I went down and looked for people to pray for. And the devil's just all over it. See, you stink at this. You know, you're never going to do this. You're never going to find hearts to change your town. You just stink, 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 stink. That's, that's demonic talking. That's the devil talking. So God cuts through and tells me this. I'm, I'm first going to hear from God, right? So God goes, no, I told you exactly what you needed to do. You're to pick up your Bible and go downtown and look for people to pray for. He didn't tell me to pray for them. So he's being very specific. He knows I'm an introvert. The hardest thing I had to do is break out of my shell and talk to somebody I didn't know. Kind of got past a little bit of that. Now I'm still an introvert at heart. But... As God tells you to do weird things, don't beat up on yourself because you didn't do it the way you thought you were supposed to do it. Play back and go, what did he ask me to do? Oh, yeah, that's exactly what I did. So it's stuff like that. He's going to you know, be with you with your training wheels on. He's going to hold your back while you're pedaling and wobbling, and he's going to teach you. He's not going to teach you to pull the training wheels off right away and you know, jump off a plywood ramp and do tricks or something at a skateboard park. You know, it's not going to be that. He's going to teach you little by little how to pedal and then finally take off the training wheels. So two, use wisdom, counsel, and prayer with Christian leaders and the Holy Spirit if you're called into a dark venue. Always get spiritual direction. You're called into something dark. You know, a lot of times when I'm called into something dark, I'm immediately questioning God if that's what he's telling me to do. I know some people who are going somewhere dark, that's going to be cool. I still want to go there. Let's do this. Yeah, let's do that. That's not from God. That's from the soul. Usually when God drops a dark venue on you, are going, what did you say? You want me to go where? <laughs> are you mad at me? You know, did I do something wrong? That's kind of how it works, right? Like, okay, um, all right, I'll follow up and I'll start working my, my local peeps and see what they think and we'll pray about it and talk to you some more and we'll get the go. You'll be released into it. That's usually how it works. So three, your first outreach should be undercover and the guidance of others who are experienced. Get mentored and get prophetic training experience. That's what you're doing right now. Starbucks is a safe place to practice 
and train. You can just sit there and have coffee. And a lot of times you talk about something spiritual and somebody will join in. It could be an atheist, right? He'll come over and go, hey, you guys are one of them Christians, are you? Like, hey, have a seat, man. You guys really believe this about Jesus and about where's the proof of this and blah, blah, blah. You know, have, have a conversation with him. Don't sell him. And if he's asking you for proof, like, yeah, tell him this is where the proof's at and this is what we believe. But don't hammer him with the sale because now you're, you're, you're plowing his field right now. Does that make sense? He may not, he may not um, be sold on Jesus just yet, but you sent him away some stuff to think about. Wait a minute, that makes sense. There was some historical just of Jesus. You know, throw, Jose- throw Josephus at him. Throw you know, historical books. They're looking for historical documentation. They're not looking at it from the Bible. And once they start seeing the, the historians of the time aligned with the Bible, like, hmm, didn't know that, you know, because they're used to listening to the same bull over and over again from their friends and their toxic and internal, you know, group of friends there. Okay, C, tending the crop. What type of ministry is this venue? If the Father directs you to go to a non-Christian event or venue, such as a New Age show, a pagan festival, or darker, you'll be ministering completely covertly, never revealing your faith. Sometimes environments can be utterly hostile to Christians. If you're planning an event, your first event should not be a New Age show or a pagan festival. You should have done other events under your belt first. This is more the expert level, or God's got you somewhere. You're doing this for the past couple of years, you know, and God tells you to go, you go. If you're going to a New Age show, make sure you're going under the wing and covering of somebody else who's been doing it for a while and they're experienced and they can train you there. That's my recommendation. Make sure you trust them. Not all, <laughs> not all mysteries are good, you know, but some have um, a pretty good uh, track record. What's funny about the New Age show, they knew we were Christians after a while. We, we've been there for like three or four years in a row. And they started, you know, they probably figured out the first, second one, hey, these guys are Christians, but they're kind of cool. We were the most sought after event at a New Age show. The psychics were shutting down. They were getting ticked. And one psychic goes, those people aren't even charging money. How am I supposed to make money? And these guys are doing it for free, blah, 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 blah. You know, so <laughs> we put out a jar. Um, just to counter that saying um, donations for Burning Man so um, we actually had the New Age people send us to Burning Man <laughs> at New Age Fair because they liked what they saw it was a donation we didn't ask for anything but it kind of shut the psychics up so we were getting money from it um, but they did shut down the funny part was it was a three day event Friday, Saturday, Sunday by Sunday we usually moved into the psychic booths because they packed up and went home because they were just getting shut down around us and we brought in more ministers and by year five, um, I got shifted into another ministry that I could no longer plan for these. And the New Age event um, coordinator was pleading for me, could you guys come back? You know, I'll give you a huge discount on the space, whatever you need to get back here, because the past four years, you were the biggest event at our shows. And I'm sitting there going, oh my God, this is funny. You know, that God took over the New Age show. And we were having some salvations there, and we were having a lot of, um, majority of it was plowing fields. But when something hit them so powerful, are you guys psychics? No, we're talking to your creator. And they're going, what? Yeah, we're talking to your creator. We're talking to the spirit of truth. And it started dawning on people. Well, here's the spirit of truth. There was only one. There's only one spirit of truth. Now these little um, false Jesus running around here. We're talking to the real one. Yeah, that guy over there with the enneagrams all over him, the Jesus and the, the geometric patterns, that's a false Jesus. That's not the real one. 
And the real one's encountering you today. He's telling you stuff. And it was, we were telling him stuff that nobody else knew and it was deep stuff. So that's how God operates. It's amazing. So one, plowing fields. When you or your team ministers at a New Age fair, Renaissance fair, Wiccan festival, or any other ungodly venue, you're preparing the soul to receive more profound encounters with Jesus Christ. You're not at the event to lead them to Jesus. I know this is going to blow, this blows a little off pastors of statistical. Why don't you have these lead these guys to salvation prayer? If something happened where Jesus kind of pushed them to that point where, I don't say pushed them, Jesus led them through their heart to the point where they wanted to encounter Jesus fully and declare him as Lord and Savior. We did have those happen. But a lot of people weren't ready yet. Some people just need the encounters to, like I said, we're steering the rudder of a super tanker, slowly turning it around. And by being out there years with the New Age festivals and seeing us and out years for Burning Man and the same people seeing us, and some went back and forth to Burning Man New Age Ferris. So they recognized us. And they brought their friends to us to do, to do um, prophetic evangelism with them. And because they trusted us now, right? We weren't given the hardcore sale. But the some that got it going, oh my God, what is this? And we told them, this is your creator. No, no, who's my creator? And your creator is Jesus Christ. And it's because the encounter they had, right? Um, it's just, it's so, it's amazing. It's so powerful and amazing. You just let the Holy Spirit take over. A lot of churches can't. They can't do it. They got to they gotta rent themselves. So you're called to prepare the fields. This isn't a time for planting seeds, especially at Burning Man, especially at the Pagan Festival. You're not planting seeds yet. You might, but I, it won't happen there. But you're building relationships with people and working with the people to build trust. We're building relationships here. We keep going through their events and they keep seeing us there year after year. It got to the point, too, where some people tell me I'm a um, prophetic artist that when I drew pictures, they come back and say, I still have your picture on my refrigerator, which you drew last year. You just want to cry. You go, oh, my God, what? I can't remember what I drew. But so I'm saying it, this impacts them so deeply that they know something real is going on here. They want more. So you may encounter a Wiccan or an atheist on the streets or in Starbucks. You're plowing fields with them. Know the difference. The Wiccan is spiritual and the atheist isn't. Technically, they are spiritual. They believe in no spirituality. That's the atheists, right? So they have a belief. What I want to incur, too, when I went to these events, no matter if you go to Burning Man, or you go to a Wiccan festival, or you go to a New Age festival, or you're on the streets looking for people, everybody has this Holy Spirit homing beacon. And I kind of interpreted that from Joel 2, 28 through 29. You know, the Spirit will be poured out on all flesh. We're all looking for something spiritual. And then we try this weird stuff. Nope, that's not it. Nope, that's not it. So we kind of come in and drop something they've never seen before. And it's powerful. Like, oh my God, that's it. What do you, what do you guys have here? You know, we have Jesus. That's what we got. And we're not selling it to them. We're just saying, oh, we're operating under Jesus. That's what we're doing here. And it's not a sale to them. It's not a used car sale. They're going, oh my gosh. That was crazy. And that was the real thing. I think I just found the real thing. They want to know more to be very gentle with them. Some aren't ready for church yet. And the problem is some want to attend church, but you can't bring them to your own home church. They'll be eaten alive by the religious Karens out there in the church. You know, you need to do this, 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 check, check, check this. They're not ready for it. You almost see like an intermediate church to bring people in. <laughs> you know, kind of like help them out as they're transitioning out of new age or something. So, I don't know. Or just somebody to love them in church. And not all these churches have a person that's at that place where they're not just going to jump on them and just hound them. And, well, you can't do that. You know, it's just, you got to love them into that one spot where they start making convictions of the Holy Spirit to drop stuff behind. 
And that's the key. That's the key, whether they're Wiccan or homosexual, they have to be getting Holy Spirit convictions and moving forward. And we'll talk about that. Planting seeds. An individual may receive a powerful encounter with the Heavenly Father, but is not ready to give their hearts to Jesus. We're not used car salesmen or Scientologists. We don't have a little meter. You know, hey, 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 oh, yeah, yeah. Um, we're not, excuse me, we are. We're ministers of the God Most High. God is patient. He'll wait for them. He's chasing them. He'll wait for them in a relationship. You know, sometimes, you know, when you, you find that person you really want to ask out or something, and, oh my God, that seems like the right person to me. Finally, it dawns me that that person's been labeled. It's that, I don't know, something about them. And you wait on them. My wife was like, I waited forever to get her on a date with me. <laughs> I waited forever. She always had the right excuses. So God was teaching me how to be patient, right? Same thing. He'll be patient for us to create that relationship and bring us into it. He's not going to rush into it. He wants the relationship to be perfect and unique for them and a very loving relationship. Number three, watering the seed. So we're planting the seeds. Now we're watering the seed. We may be watering the seeds someone else planted before us. What is this? Process evangelism. Some seeds may require lots of water before they sprout. Oh, gosh, yes. Some people may need a tsunami. It's a free will decision and not ours to make. When I was at night strike, a lot of times we had the homeless come. It took a long time of watering. We may have watered them for years. And during that time, too, there was an, another amazing homeless minister out in the streets, Pastor Evan Prosser, who was a homeless church, and he was watering them, too. And it just took time, and either he got them, a lot of times he got them, and they, the, the light bulb went on, and they wanted Jesus. Or sometimes we got them on the streets, too, that they just broke down, I don't want to do this anymore. I can't, I can't live this lifestyle. You know, I need Jesus you've been talking about. And a lot of times they tell us they thank us for not, not judging them for who they were. You know, not once did you come against me, you know, my, my addictions or blah, blah, blah. You know, it, it just, you loved on me. You just talked to me. You sat down and had conversations that nobody else would. And that was a turning point, right? It was the intimacy. It was the relationship building that, that waters the seeds. So D, power encounters. Yes. There is no rule book for how Jesus operates in power encounters. So tear it up. Somebody gave you a book or a doctrinal book, tear it up. There's no rules. He's going to do it how he wants. And it's going to, he's going to do it however he knows, because he loves that person. It's going to impact them. Talk to their hearts. For example, he could have you walk up and pray for healing with a Satanist or an atheist. Done it. Been there. I've had Satanists heal, but they didn't accept um, Jesus after the healing. So it's, you know, you can do signs and wonders. That's just, so signs and wonders when God is moving supernaturally with power. That's a sign and wonder. So when you do a healing like that and the person's heart's not swayed, it's like Pharaoh, their heart's hardened, right? And he's going to keep coming after him. So the Heavenly Father is no respecter of people or their ungodly beliefs. The only rule is to do the will of the Father. Who said that before? Sounds like Jesus. So, Mike, what is all this nonsense about process evangelism and prophetic evangelism and hoopla? And where do you find this in the Bible? Is it there? Well, I'm glad you asked. Let's go to John 4, the woman at the well. So, an outreach example by Jesus, the calling encounter of the Samaritan woman at the well. Jesus demonstrated to us how the Holy Spirit moves in street ministry. Part A, sent to ignored places. So John 4.4, 4, and he had to pass through Samaria. I don't know. I, I need to look up the Bible verse. 
There was a massive failure of the disciples who went to Samaria prior to this. And I think that's kind of why they, they let Jesus go on his own. I don't know if they got beat up, but they got in a confrontation and they're like, that's it. We're not going there. And then oh, I'll have to look that one up for you guys. I'll own that one. Maybe I can find it in the show notes. I'll post it there. So now we have Jesus heading for Samaria, right? And he had to pass through Samaria. So one, the Holy Spirit called Jesus to travel to a place the synagogue failed to acknowledge. The Holy Spirit called Jesus to travel to the north through Samaria. Samaria was an ethnic redistribution zone for Assyrians. Almost sounds like today, right? There's always ethnic redistribution. These people of the north had multi-ethnic families and diluted bloodlines in the eyes of the Pharisees. Get these mutts out of here, right? The Pharisees don't do them. Oh my gosh, too cool. So the people of Judah to the south prided themselves on being of pure bloodlines and family heritage. The Jews prided themselves on being favored by God. There's a deep prejudice between the Jews and the Samaritans. We're getting the setup here? So Jesus is going to meet with the Samaritan woman. So two, the Holy Spirit may send you to ignored places where the church has failed to go. Yep. Can't get the church out of the four walls. Like I said, they, they love Thanksgiving, man, because they can go minister to the homeless and from behind safety walls of glass and lap gravy on the, the potatoes and serve them and never have to have a, um, any good conversations with the homeless. So that's a church idea of outreach ministry or, hey, let's have an outreach ministry once a month where you just go do something. You know, it's, it's getting that bad. Outreach ministry is consistency. You're, you're doing it, your heart's into it, and you don't need the church or the pastor to tell you to go. It's something you organize and something you do and go off and do it. It's number three, listening to the call requires maturity and obedience. You need some mature Christians leading this and who understand a lot. You don't have to be perfectly mature, right? But God's working with you. You're hearing from God. You're not wearing around going, so safe from the Lord, I'm a prophet. You know, that, that's not the type of person wanting these things. We need covert people because the associate, the Lord person can't keep their mouth shut. They can't go in covertly. And then when they see something wrong, they have to drop to the Christian thing and raise their hands on the air to Jesus and start changing the atmosphere. And you can't do that in hostile environments. Or if you're at a voodoo fair, Lord, I'm changing this environment. Now you're taking on the demons there, right? God's going to send you as ambassadors. God sent his own son as an ambassador to the Samaritan woman, to Samaria to change things. So B, sent to encounter the lost. John Four verses five through nine. So we came to a city of Samaria called Sychar, near the parcel of ground of that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. And Jacob's well was there. So Jesus, being wearied from his journey, was sitting thus by the well. It was about the sixth hour. There came a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Therefore the Samaritan woman said to him, how is it you, being a Jew, ask me for a drink so I'm a Samaritan woman? Well, the Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. So interesting, he's setting up the encounter here, right? He's just kind of lounging back, hey, I'm worried from water. He didn't go, hey, I'm Jesus, have you heard of me? Did he do that? That's a Christian in Starbucks. Have you heard of Jesus? This is the model for process and, and prophetic evangelism right here, John 4. It's the model Jesus gave us to do this. So again, he's kind of like, eh, hey, I'm worried. Man. Hey, can you pour me some water, please? And he's talking to somebody who his Pharisees won't even give the, the, the time of day. Does this sound familiar? The most powerful thing you can do to a homeless person initially, if you're not 
really operating prophetic evangelism late, you're still waiting to hear from God, is go talk to them. Go sit down on the street and have a conversation with them. Because every other church person will either walk by or snub them, and they think they're doing stuff for the homeless because they're giving money at church. But the most powerful encounter, Heavenly Father encounter you give to a homeless person, sit down and talk with them and acknowledge they exist. You don't have to start off with, hey, you know Jesus? Like, you know, actually, hey, you want some water? Want something, you know, need socks or anything? And they'll kind of open up and talk to you. Like, hey, what's your name? What's going on here? That's what Jesus, Jesus is opening conversation. He's building a relationship. That's how you do the street ministry. You know, it's, it's cool stuff. I do have a, a, a video. I'll paste it here again. It's actually um, on, the, I'll put it on the show notes for this episode as well. Episode 58, but episode 57 had it too. 700 Club came out and filmed us on the streets for Night Strike. And I just want you to get a, a picture of what this looked like and how we talked to people. And people were just weeping. These are homeless people, right? Just weeping with some of the prayers and stuff, the encounters. Because we were on the streets every Friday night, and they knew us. And if you have a presence in a, some, some area like this, and you're conquering the area, and people know you, and they'll get used to you and go, oh, these guys are pretty cool. Hey, they're not going to come after me my drug addiction or no, you know, I've been stealing stuff all week and stuff like that. They're going to give me a God encounter. God just wants to speak to their child, their lost child. He wants to speak to the lost. So let's look at this. Number two, Jesus stepped. Okay, so um, so one, Jesus stepped into an encounter orchestrated by the Holy Spirit. Under Jewish tradition, a Jewish male did not acknowledge the presence of a woman, nor did Jews recognize Samaritans. Little snubs. Number two, Jesus stepped out of religious and cultural tradition. He stepped out of the Pharisee church. Pharisee churches exist today. Uh, let me tell you something. I worked with Todd White in the power and love and, and worked with my church to bring it into my church. And there was over 400 people attended the Todd White power and love, which he was telling people how to get out and do evangelism on the streets. And um, I brought it in for Night Strike to help build the team. Out of 400 people, after Todd White left, two people joined the night strike, and then by two weeks later, they were gone. So it's just you can't get the church out of the church. They'd rather go listen to a prophetic conference on Friday night than go out and heal the sick and talk to the homeless. It's just where we're at right now, and it's, it's bad. It's very bad. So C, catching the moment of the divine appointment. So John 4, 10 through 12, verse 10. Jesus answered and said to her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. She said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with the well is deep. Where then do you get the living water? You are not greater than our father Jacob, are you? Who gave us this well and drank of it himself and his sons and his cattle? So, the light bulb's going on. There's something different about this guy. What the heck? First of all, he, he stepped out of the um, cultural tradition and religious traditions, right? And he's talking to me, and she's going, well, what's up about him drinking at this well? There's something, uh, something, something's changing. Like, he's slowly turning the rudder. He knew what to say. He's Jesus. He's getting her light bulb to go on here. That, that he's, something, he's something in front of her. He's Jesus. So Jesus speaks spiritually, but not religiously. Oh, so say it the Lord's. Not like, you know, I was totally wrecked when I talked to her, or you want to get whacked in the Holy Spirit? You know, they think they're going to get punched in the face, right? So he's removing all this from the dialogue. So let's go to John 4, 13 through 14. Jesus answered and said to her, Everyone who drinks this water will thirst again. 
But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him shall never thirst. But the water that I will give him will become in him a well of water springing up for eternal life. This well of water springing up inside him. So she's going, what? There's something different, something different. And she knows it's something spiritual. She could feel it. Something is different here. He's, he's got her attention. We're not saying that talk above them. He was using a language she understood, and it kind of turned a light bulb on, right? So we're not talking to these people and talking weird stuff. You know, I, I have a, I know you're deep in thirst. You'll never you know, thirst again if you drink from me. And people now go, what? But he had her attention with something he was saying here in a dialogue or something was going on in her mind. It just struck her to the bone. So one, Jesus used non-religious words, but spoke spiritually. So what was he saying? He's talking about the Holy Spirit bubbling up in her, right? The well. He changed it to the water, this, this living water. Who is it? The Holy Spirit. For example, he uses the metaphor living water and speaks of eternal life. And she caught this, like, there's something going on here. You know, what? She's just puzzled. And you just think that the wording he was using was striking her heart and emotions. Number two, the woman's heart may have been closed during the counter if Jesus had quoted Jewish scripture, right? And do you know about Jesus? Boom, wall comes up with the person. He quoted Jewish scripture, boom, a wall came up with her. It's not being manipulative, it's, and it's not being controlling. Once you get this in your head now, it's flowing. It's a very flow where the Holy Spirit comes in and goes, I, hey, I need to borrow your lips a second, say this to her, you know, and that's what's going on here. I want to have an encounter with her. I want to use your lips. I want to talk to this woman. But this was Jesus doing it. He's demonstrating it for us. Number three, Jesus knew the Holy Spirit was in complete control of the encounter with the woman. So Jesus is operating through the Holy Spirit. This is what we need to be doing. The living water is bubbling up through him. and He's talking about this in eternal life. So E, the woman responds to Jesus. John 4, verse 15. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water. I will not be thirsty, nor will come all the way to her draw. Cut. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water. So I will not be thirsty, nor come all the way here to draw. So F, the Holy Spirit provides a word of knowledge. So in John 4, verses 16 through 18, he said to her, Go call your husband and come here. And when he answered and said, I have no husband, Jesus said to her, You have correctly said, I have no husband. For you have five husbands, and the one whom you have now is not your husband. This you have said truly. There it is. They never met, and he just hit her with something impactful. And why would he hit her with the husband part? The reason he brought up the five husbands and the one you're living with now, it wasn't to condemn her. Jesus knew on her heart that bothered her. That bothered her that she had the five husbands and the one she was with now. Deep in her soul, that bothered her and it was convicting her. And so Jesus, you know, you know what? This is what I see it's most heavily set on your soul right now is the fact that you're living with a man who's not even your husband. And I think right there, she just kind of stopped and either wept or something happened. This was the encounter where God didn't convict her of sins. God reached into her heart to something that was painful and said, here, this is what I found. You know, it's just, how did you know that? You don't know me. We never met. How on earth did you know that? Because I have it locked away in my heart, deep down inside, in a box with multiple chains around it, multiple locks, and only I know about it. How did you know that? 
That is a prophetic evangelism encounter right there. He demonstrated. So the encounter speaks to the person's spirit. Part G. John 4, 19. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Why? Because he nailed her deepest, darkest emotion or thought. He got it. Jesus nailed it. So one, the recipient begins to perceive in the spirit something spiritual is going on. However, they may need more spiritual foundation or experience to understand the source. So it was just a, a, you know, an eye-opener. Like Jesus goes, I know this is what it is. You never told anybody about this, but I know about it. I see it. I know you. That's what the encounter is. It doesn't have to be something dark either. A lot of times in the streets, it'll be something happy or something somebody remembers when, you know, they could be a homeless person and they could be depressed. And they're clinging on to one moment that was joyful for them. It keeps them alive. And you just walk up to them in their midst person and God will say the joyful moment and they'll start crying. How did you know? How did you know? And then it impacts from there. So two, in a powerful encounter like this, people will ask you about your psychic abilities. Always. Nope, not psychic. And when they find out you're talking to God, it freaks them out even more. Like, by this time, you've nailed something. Nailed it to the core. You nailed it to the heart. Not going, oh, God, really? You think you're talking to God? Like, now they're going, what? Yeah, like, like the thing, the only person who knew about it was God, right? <laughs> so they're like, that's what, are you psychic? That's, that's how our society perceives. You must be psychic to know this. You're talking to the dead? No, we don't talk to the dead. No, we have the uh, Holy Spirit dwelling inside us, and that's who we're talking to. But three, we're listening to the voice of the Creator. We are not mediums. We're listening to Jesus. We're listening to the Holy Spirit. A lot of times on the streets, I said, I'm listening to your Creator. The one who created all this, the one who created you, the one who created you in your mother's womb. And that's, after a while, the conversation, they need, know you more and more, but they could figure out you're a Christian. Are you talking about Jesus? Oh, yes, I am. All right, let them unpack it. Don't, don't shove it down their throats because that makes the encounter more powerful as the Holy Spirit works with them. You kind of just, you're along for the ride. Sometimes you have to shut up. Let the Holy Spirit, Holy, Holy Spirit, do things and talk with them. He'll take over. It's crazy. It's really cool stuff. You're going, gosh, Mike, I can't do any of this stuff. You know, I told me right I was dumbfounded. Bob Johnson, this young man has a word for you. I'm like, what? I'd freak out and I think really hard and I'm getting nothing. I'm getting blanks. I'm getting how and just over time it just I spent time talking with Jesus, learning to hear from God. And slowly it started showing up. It just started what I found out was wasn't learning how to do it. It was trying to find the right channel inside the brain. That was, that was God talking. We had all sorts of voices and stuff inside our heads. And one of them is a direct intent to God. That's, you have to find it. You have to find that voice. That's God. And know where it comes in and what it looks like. It's very different. So gauging the spiritual wall. We've talked about this. When does a wall come up? You're working with somebody. Spiritual wall is I'm, I'm doing ministry, they're giving me a blank stare like, go away, or they're, they're into it for a while, and all of a sudden the wall comes up and they shut down. That's the wall. So H, gauging the spiritual wall. We're going to look at John 4. So I tell you, this is pretty powerful. John 4, 20 through 26. Verse 20, our fathers worshipped in this mountain, and you people say that in Jerusalem is the place where man ought to worship. Jesus said to her, she threw him a curveball. See that? You're going to get that in the... When I was in San Francisco, because so many atheists always threw a curveball like that, and you had to give an answer like that. That was a curveball question. 
our fathers worshipped in this mountain, and you people say that Jerusalem is a place where men ought to worship. So you guys think you got the spot, but we got the spot, right? A little, uh, you know, confrontation going on here. So Jesus responds to her. Jesus said to her, Women, believe me, an hour is coming when neither this mountain nor in Jerusalem will your father, will you worship the father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But an hour is coming, and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For such people, the Father seeks to be his worshipers. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming. He was called Christ. When the one comes, he will declare all things to us. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. What else popped up here? Jesus just identified himself as the Messiah. A lot of people in, you know, this building, Jesus never identified himself. You know, there's one right there. Um, I said, there's one. There's places all over the Bible. Jesus identifies himself as Christ, as God. He comes out in his encounter. And she's going, are you a prophet? You know, something powerful is going on here. No, I am the Christ. He, he hit her with it. He's, well, he's God. He can do that one, right? So he, he completed the sale right there because he knew where her heart was at. She was ready to receive it. That his encounter was so impactful. This is how it works. You let Jesus do all the work. Let the Holy Spirit do all the work. And they're going to give words that are just empowering and uplifting. It's not going to go, you're an addict. You know, well, no, duh. You know, we got the CNN prophets tell us that, right? <laughs> what they see and what they, what you see in the Spirit. What did God see in the Spirit? He goes, he saw a woman that was hurting and didn't want to be living with a man who wasn't her husband. And he pulled it out of her and, and she she, oh my God, this guy has to be a prophet. No, I'm not a prophet. You know, <laughs> I'm Jesus. You know, I'm Jesus of Nazareth. I am he, I'm the Messiah. And he told her, God told her. So with every encounter, we must listen to Holy Spirit and the person determine their spiritual walls. Is it high and blocking or is it starting to lower? How do we proceed? So she came up with the wall going, you're like, you know, you guys think you're the, you got the place out there in Jerusalem. We really have it out here in Samaria. And that was a wall starting to come up. So Jesus graciously addressed it. He didn't attack her. He just like, oh, okay, well, you know, here we go. You know, one day there'll be no worshiping on the mountains of my father. We'll be doing it in the spirit because God is spirit. I'll be worshiping in the spirit. What does that mean? Well, I've been dwelling Holy Spirits. So three, at this point, Jesus is listening to the Holy Spirit and to the woman to determine if this encounter is plowing the fields, planting a seed, watering the seed, or harvesting. Who do you think he is when he says, I who speak to you am he? Where was he at? Was he at plowing the fields, planting a seed, watering the seed, or harvesting? He was harvesting. You know, he, he covered the whole thing. Here, the seed was already planted, right? She was she already knew who um, about the prophets, she knew about Jacob, she knew about uh, spirituality. So all he had to do was come in and water the seed and do a harvesting. That's where she was at. But she threw the wall up because you Jews come here and think, you know, this, this, and that. And you'll get that in the streets. And it's just how you respond. I tell you, in the Haight-Ashbury district, the, the drug addicts always put us on guard. They ask this question, you one of those Christians? You know, they'll ask you something that totally think they're, they're going to bat you out of the park and get you out of here and you just respond with gentleness and respect. And like, what? They wanted it to be confrontational. And the response wasn't confrontational, it was loving. 
And that threw him off, and that opened an encounter with somebody that was confrontational. Always there. Always it was like that. So I, the encounter ended with the woman elated in her spirit. So John 4, 29 through 30, verse 29. Come, see a man who told me all things that I have done. This is not the Christ, is it? They went out of the city and were coming to him. So one, the father released healing words in her. As a result, the woman openly divulges the dark secrets Jesus revealed and isn't ashamed anymore. What's going on here? She has a testimony from a healing from Jesus. It was an inner healing. That's her testimony. So when she starts talking about, openly talking about what she did, because Jesus healed her of it. That's a testimony, right? Cool, cool, cool. So let's look at Jay, Fruits of the Encounter. John 4, 39 through 42. Verse 39. In the city, many Samaritans believed in him because of the word of the woman who testified. He told me all things that I have done. So when the Samaritans came to Jesus and when they were asking him to stay with him, he stayed there two days. Many more believed because of his word. And they were saying to the woman, it is no longer because of what you said that we believe you. For we have heard for ourselves and know that this one is indeed the Savior of the world. The one by planting the seed of the Samaritan woman, many were led to, lead to Jesus, right? Many were led to him. Again, I don't think this so much he planted the seed. Sure, seed needed watering and needed culturing and, and nurturing. And then he went for the harvest. And it was there. It was ripe there. And again, this Jesus comes in after a previous incident where the disciples were run off by the Samaritans. It was a very violent confrontation. Based on what, probably that's probably what the Samaritan was bringing up. Well, you Jews think that, you know, you guys own this mountain. And he goes, nope. That's, you know, so she brought the confrontation. They'll do that. People do that. They'll bring up the recent history, whatever. So, prophetic evangelism. That's what it is. Prophetic and process evangelism. So let me do this right now. We're starting grassroots from ground zero. And let's do this. If you're in a Bible study right now, um, kind of just and using this, which is great, I would um, maybe either get in a circle or pick two people and have them go stand up in front of your Bible study. And the rest of the people just lay there in quiet, still your minds, be still, know that I'm God. It's kind of calling Jesus. We can, you guys who don't have Bible study groups do this too. And just look at the person and ask Jesus, what does this person need to know from you, Jesus? What does this person need to know? What can I, what can I share with them? Anything. And you're learning, you're at the gun range now, we're playing with live ammo. And you're not going to always hit the target because it takes practice to hit the target. Right? And just take, not, not practice gets you there. It's, it's time with Jesus. But this is where you start. Look at the person. You may get it dead on right away too. You know, close your eyes, still your mind. Jesus, what, what can I share with this person? Are you getting a color? Sometimes God's going to dial in by showing you colors if you see pictures. Are you getting a, a, a word? Like he's physically displaying a word in your mind. Are you getting Jesus? Just show me. Show me, Jesus. Show me. If you get nothing, that's okay too. We're still priming the engine here. So don't, don't be frustrated. You get nothing. Don't worry. Teaching how to start. This is the initial beginning. So you may get something, you may not. Jesus, show me something about this person. 
if you're at home trying this, same thing, still your mind. Jesus, put a person on my mind. Put a person on my mind. Highlight a person. Why don't you get a picture of that person? Jesus, what Bible verse do you want me to share with them? Bible verse do you have for them? You get a verse, do you want me to share it with them? Or is this just practice for me? Because I'm new. Start asking questions. Jesus, we just ask you to encounter everybody in the Bible study by themselves. Should I share with the person ahead of me in the Bible study? Who's the person you want me to highlight today? Just show me. I don't have to interact with them. I'm just learning who I should, should highlight. Jesus. I have a Bible verse for them. People in the group, do I have a word to share with the person? Just tell them, too, we're learning. First words out of your mouth, I'm learning to hear from Jesus, and I think I'm hearing. Share it. It's humility right now. We're not using associate the Lord. You should never use associate the Lord. As we're perceiving, please bring it and deliver the message in humility. Jesus. Jesus, you're so amazing. Holy Spirit, is there anything I need to share with this person? Any pictures you have to share for me? This is my first time. Can you acknowledge? Help me hear you. Can I ask you a question? Can you show me I'm hearing you? Pray patience over that. Took me a while too. Perseverance. Just persevere. Let's see how long it took me. Some things I knew I was hearing right away, and some things I couldn't figure out I was already hearing, so it was frustrating myself. We get in the way of our own stuff. Thank you, Jesus. Let's go ahead and come out of it, and I'm going to pause here and just share with the, the people what you got. Yep, after you share with them, have an encounter, maybe get some tissues ready, see what happens. It should all be positive and uplifting, all positive and uplifting messages. Prophetic ministry is to edify and to build up the kingdom of God. Builds up. Satan tears down for that. Good Jesus, bad devil. So that's all I have for today. Um, you guys go to a Starbucks or something today? Or I don't usually go to it. <laughs> I go like McDonald's. I'm a, I'm a Diet Dr. Pepper drinker. That's why that's I get my caffeine. I don't get my lattes. Carmine macchiatos. <laughs> Whatever it is. If you go to Starbucks or you go out to lunch, remind yourself, ask yourself, Jesus, can you highlight somebody for me today? I'm not to approach them. Just highlight, show me how you highlight people. That's an exercise. And you can do that in practicing his presence during lunch. You can be out with lunch talking to friends and let your Holy Spirit radar go on. Look around and have to approach the person. Stuff like that. What's kind of interesting was um, 
even though I was doing spiritual warfare ministry, I still work in IT and other places. And I was out one time in Florida um, doing an IT setup with a team I was with. And they all were into smoking, wanted to go to cigars and bars and stuff at the um, end of the night. And I didn't smoke. I didn't drink. Um, I just got iced teas and stuff and told them it was Long Island iced tea. I walked to the bar and got one myself and sat back. And, you know, they go, aren't you having fun? I was having fun. I'm talking with you guys. You know, we're outside in beautiful Florida and they're smoking cigars, have their drinks. And a waitress kept coming by and God highlighted the waitress and I kept talking with her. And so I'm the oldest guy in the bunch, right? These guys are young. Like, what the hell's going on? Is Mike hitting on the waitress? (laughs) Right? It's like, well, Mike wasn't hitting on the waitress. I kept getting prophetic words for her. And she'd walk in and she'd come back, talk to me again. And they're like, what? <laughs> and so it was just a, a girl was going through law school and she had a young child. She was struggling. And God had some prophetic words for her. And I gave it to her. I'm sitting here with my work buddies, you know, talking with them and have a conversation um, in a cigar shop or cigar bar, having a conversation with the waitress on prophetic evangelism, you know, and just giving her some uplifting words. So that's, that's how this stuff works, man. You can do it anywhere. Kind of cool. So go out and try it. It's, just, it's cool stuff here. It's just, just the beginning. So if you're doing like a homeless ministry, try it out in homeless ministry. You know, the homeless a lot of times, it's just, I thought what was kind of interesting was I'd give them a prophetic word. And sometimes these guys were on drugs. Sometimes they're, they're, they're liquored up. And I made a hit or miss with them, but it was all right. I got more confidence because of it. What was weird was when it hit them, it cut right through the addiction or the alcohol, and they sobered up quickly and looked at you like, what? And how did you know this? You know, so it was kind of cool to do it that way. I loved homeless ministry. I, I went in there kicking and screaming and dragging my feet. I didn't want to do it because it was kind of a yucky ministry, and I fell in love with it. So if you guys are trying to start a street ministry or, you know, like I said, we went to, you can go anywhere. That's be homeless ministry. Your, your local downtown, you know, walk around and, Starbucks, great place. Outside Starbucks, people are sitting around doing laptops, have conversations. Um, local theaters and in, in, uh, spring and summer nights, it's really warm out. Go out and while people are waiting in line, go talk with them and do prophetic ministry if they're standing around. So that's it. That's it for module one, um, prophetic outreach ministry. I hope you guys learn a lot of stuff from this. We're going to dig deeper, I think, hearing God's next module. So um, this guide is available on fieldguidespiritualwarfare.blogspot.com so you can get the PDF. It's available as a digital download from there. And I'll have it on the show notes from here too where you can pick it up and buy it and go through this. It's just beneficial to have to mark up with pen or pencil and you'll mark up the scripture I had and what he was doing because John 4 was the roadmap for process and prophetic evangelism. It is biblical. And like I said, I tried to break it down for you what this looks like and what was going on during each event. And to me, it's just one of the most amazing ways of showing us how Jesus went out to the lost and loved on everybody. This was just absolute love how he approached her. So, all right, guys, until next time, this is Tales of Glory. I'm Mike in the M16 bunker. Again, if you appreciate this stuff, go ahead and download the uh, PDF, it's digital download, for the workbook. For the M16 Night Strike Outreach Training Boot Camp. We're going to go through all five modules here. And like I said, we, we still need help. Um, Finances and producing content too, so you can reach out to PayPal and send us a donation to m16ministries at gmail.com. PayPal. And said, We'd love you guys. You guys are amazing. And I'm checking out the M16 bunker. Till next time, God bless. Amen. <laughs>